0: And we're going to look at a text from Luke chapter 7. We've been looking at the gospel of Luke and this idea of gospel neighboring throughout the season of Lent. And we want to close that series tonight looking at Luke 7. So keep this uh, curtain sort of in the back of your minds as we read this text. Luke 7, beginning with verse 36, page 1604. He wished to follow along. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50 Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured Of evil spirits and diseases Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out Joanna the wife of Cusa the manager of Herod's household Susanna and many others these women were helping to support them out of their own means the word of the Lord thanks be to God Friends, in Jesus Christ, the story that we just read begins with a lot of promise. I mean, Jesus finally seems to be gaining some momentum for his campaign. He's finally attracting some attention. Word actually seems to be getting around. People seem more familiar with his name. We see it here as one of the Pharisees actually invites him to his home. Now, as far as Jesus' career goes, this was a positive. For any promising young Messiah, it was good to have friends in high places, among the movers and the shakers of the world. And the Pharisees were one of the most powerful religious groups of their day. Get in good with them, and you didn't know how far it might carry you. It's good to see Jesus finally hobnobbing with the kinds of people who could advance his cause. Enough of that piddling around with these low-life fishermen and tax collectors and sickly mothers-in-law. It's time to cozy up with the big guns. That's how the story begins. It begins with worldly promise, but then it gets waylaid almost immediately. Someone else has heard that Jesus is in the neighborhood, a woman, a sinful woman at that, a woman with a reputation. Not only does she show up at Simon's address, but she's all over Jesus, it's at best inappropriate, at worst embarrassing. She's all perfume and tears and hair. Poor Jesus, he can't seem to buy a break. These people, they just won't leave him alone. These, these lowlifes, these scourges of the neighborhood, these beggars, these demoniacs, these, these women... How's a Messiah supposed to start a revolution with the, the backing of, of women? But as most of us know, as we've been studying the Gospel of Luke, this Messiah, this Jesus, is not about popularity and polls and power. And this account turns all of that stuff on its head. Jesus is all about the gospel and the upside-down kingdom it proclaims. And as it turns out, that gospel appeals most to and has the mightiest impact on those who are most aware of how much they need God's mercy and God's grace and as we might have predicted that certainly wasn't Simon contrary to our female friend Simon didn't show much regard at all for for Jesus he didn't even show him the common courtesies of that day Simon, after all, was a a Pharisee's Pharisee. He'd made his own way his whole life. He was beholden to no one and he was proud of it. He didn't need anything in the way of forgiveness because, well, because he hadn't done anything that needed forgiving. Simon's definition of, of sin was something that other people did. People from the other side of the tracks let's say people like like this sinful woman that was the kind of sin that simon could recognize that's what was plain and obvious to him the kinds of sins that actually made him look a little bit better and and he faulted jesus for for not seeing things the same way for not seeing things that he saw But Jesus sees through a different lens. Jesus sees this woman through a different lens, and he sees Simon through a different lens. And it's the lens of this little money-lending story. All of this woman's actions that day, Jesus says, were prompted by gratitude and love. They all stemmed, every one of them, from a recognition of her own sinfulness, her own debt to God, and Jesus' free and willing forgiveness. And Simon's lack of love, Simon's cold shoulder, his disrespect for this young Messiah, that was due to his failure. To recognize his debt. Jesus saw everything through that lens. Who's carrying the biggest debt? Who will love more? Asks Jesus. The one who is most grateful. The one who recognizes her own sins her own failings? Who sees sin in the first person? Who will love more? Asked Jesus. Tonight we could probably put it this way. Who cares more about a torn curtain? Maybe even who in the end will make a better neighbor? Which one of the two which one of us will make a better neighbor? Speaking of ends, this, this story ends in sort of a noteworthy fashion. All of the commentators talk about it. Verse 44 says that, that Jesus turned toward the woman. In other words, he locked eyes with the woman, but he spoke to Simon. Simon. But then, in verse 48, things shift again. Jesus now speaks to the one that he's facing. He speaks to the woman. And he speaks to her words that he needed to say with the very same urgency to the person over here, to Simon. Your sins are forgiven. Those were the words Simon needed to hear as much as anyone. The problem was Simon wasn't ready to hear them. As we said, sin was something that defined other people in his mind. Sin was the problem of all of these lowlifes. Sin was not his issue. And so likewise, forgiveness really had no bearing on him. And so instead of being grateful, which which he could have been, instead of being grateful, he probably smirked with all of his other guests as they marveled over the apparent heresy of a young Messiah who actually thought that he could forgive sins. And so Jesus went on his way. Absent Simon's support for his Messiahship, for his campaign, he probably didn't get many checks in the mail from Simon's other guests or his neighbors either but he did gain a few more women. More women with a past, Luke tells us. More women who were deeply moved and deeply grateful. That a curtain, a curtain which had always defined them, which had always held them trapped, there on the wrong side of the tracks. A curtain that had always cordoned them off in a a special little place, in a special little section for sinners. Those women were deeply grateful that someone had finally torn that curtain in half. And those women were ready to open their pocketbooks, to contribute to his campaign, to paint placards with his name, and to follow him wherever he went, even to the cross. Friends, you see the point here? Only sinners can ever be grateful because only sinners can ever be forgiven. And what we have to remember is that Jesus is always eager to forgive. No matter what side of the tracks you do your sinning on, and what's more, Jesus is right. Whatever kind of sinner you are, a sinner like Simon or a sinner like this woman, forgiven sinners love much. Forgiven sinners love much. And forgiven sinners thus make great neighbors. Because forgiven sinners love Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we come here tonight not because we are without sin, not because we have earned a right to be here. We come here tonight because we are sinners. We have no right to stand in the presence of God at all except for the fact that You looked us in the eyes. And when we realized our sin and confessed it before You, You told us Your sins are forgiven. May we marvel again at what You have done for us. May we be grateful that that curtain is torn never to be repaired. We pray in your name. Amen.